Welcome to the Art of Transformational Leadership. This podcast is where we talk about leaders from all walks of life, from entrepreneurs to educators. We discuss our journey, failures, and lessons learned as we become successful in this journey that we call leadership. Stay tuned and learn how to lead with confidence. Um, My name is Libby and I'm your host. And today's guest is Angela. Angela, welcome to the show. So before we get started, could you just tell me uh, or tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? I got your bio and I was like, wow, she just needs to read this herself because me reading it would not do justice. Well, thank you. And thanks so much for having me, Libby. It's exciting to to be here with you, just to spend some time with you and uh, yeah, share some some insight with your listeners. So a little bit about me. I say I've been a lifetime entrepreneur. Uh, my I was raised by uh, my father who owned several businesses and just fell in love with that mindset and that way of life and that, that that's how life worked. So went to college for chemical engineering and after college um, opened a dance and gymnastics studio. So that was my first business, aligning my passion for dance and then getting to share that with people um, as well as owning a business. Soon after that, in you know building that dance studio, I realized that most other dance studio owners didn't Um, necessarily know how to run a successful business. They were following their passion of teaching dance. And so I started doing business coaching of other dance studios, traveling around the country, helping them become more profitable. I say before business coaching was a thing because I think it was before the internet, like honestly. (laughs) Um, But it was amazing, like getting inside, going on those onsite visits, looking, and like I said, helping them become more profitable and still follow their passion. So life evolved through um, a couple of divorces and and moving and and reinventing and and giving up things to move on, continued in that business consulting and and coaching path. It just took on um, different forms, had a season in Mary Kay where I drove a Cadillac for seven years, which was awesome of being a, a leader of women. And then most recently added to the business coaching uh, virtual assistants. So during COVID, when we all learned that you didn't necessarily have to have someone that was actually in your office and that all the things that were possible through technology, I was working with an accounting firm who had outsourced people to the Philippines, fell in love with their culture and the hard workers that they were. And so now as part of um, one of my passions is always helping business owners do what they do best and really figure out how they can delegate the rest. And now that is through virtual assistance as well. So love that part of my company. And then last year wrote a book called The Courageous Mind, Fulfill the Lifelong Dream to do that and um, have the opportunity to use that as a platform as well and travel around and speak to business owners around um, the country about that. So two adult kids. So I'm in a season of my life of, of fun, um, moving to the chapter of adult kids and then have developed just lots of great relationships within this home service space, um, doing a great new podcast with JC. Um, and so just loving, just loving this season of my life, connecting and working with other, you know, entrepreneurs and and great visionaries like you. Awesome. So in that intro, I feel like we have so many things in common. Um, I come from a family of entrepreneurs as well. Um, it's all I've ever known. I, I don't think in my life I've ever been a W-2 um, employee. So we, I feel like we connect there on so many levels. And yeah. then, uh, you know, you said through divorces, I've only had one. So been there. <laughs> um, but I have to say, I'm really jealous that you have adult kids. Um you know, and in your bio, it says 25 years of experience. And then you say you have yeah. adult kids. I'm like, you must have started really, really young with the business and the kids because you look great. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, I did. I did start. I did start young. Yeah. Right out of college with both. <laughs> and uh, I had no idea about the chemical engineering background. That is so cool and intriguing. I feel like we could do a whole nother podcast just on that topic. 
Um, but as far as, you know, starting young with entrepreneurism and, um, you know, being an entrepreneur, you're pretty much your whole life, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I posted this question, um, on Facebook and I saw your comment and I loved it. It was, and I feel like I could relate in so many ways, you know, it was like, what is the hardest part about being an entrepreneur? And you responded right now, consistently evaluating when I'm not a vision in visionary mode, uh, and where I need to be an integrator. Like as far as that, like the hardest part of being an entrepreneur, like, can you go into detail about like when I'm a visionary, when I need to be an integrator and that struggle? Cause I feel like we all struggle in that. Because yeah. to even start the business, we had to be some sort of an integrator, but at yeah. heart, we're visionary. And how do you balance that? Like, when do you know when to turn it off or turn one on or to do a more visionary versus integrator? Because the visionary work is funner. Yes, it is. And uh, yeah, I am in this real chapter that I'm very passionate about this visionary integrator. And if you guys don't know, this concept kind of comes from the EOS system, traction. Um, there's a test in the book, Rocket Fuel. And most entrepreneurs, um, I would say most, and a lot that we certainly identify with are visionaries. And the visionary entrepreneurs are the people that we also remember from history, right? Walt Disney, Henry Ford. Um, they were the masters of big ideas, big visions. And what we don't know is they had integrators that partnered with them to help them get to that level of success. And so a visionary leader, a visionary entrepreneur sees that big picture. They constantly have these insane big ideas. I say insane because the rest of the world thinks they're insane. They are just new ideas every day of a bigger dream, a bigger picture, doing things that people didn't see possible before. But as you said, in the beginning of a business, we need to play the integrator role. And what an integrator is, is getting those ideas done, taking these ideas and making them a reality, putting the processes in place to get the details executed. That there's really three places in a business, a visionary that's coming up with the new ideas that we're going to do, crafting the, you know, this is the new solution this is how we're going to provide remarkable client experience. This is how we're going to change people's lives. The project manager or the integrator that creates the processes that takes that it from the vision to the project and then the task people that, that execute the tasks. When we start a business, we got to be all three. <laughs> we are grinding. We think of the idea. We got to create a process and then we actually have to do the work. And it is how, as you grow your business, that you can get yourself out of those other two roles as fast as you can. And one reason is there's no way to scale and grow a business if you're doing all of it. So that's what you have to replace. But what I've really learned in these recent years is how much, I mean, not only do we all have a limited amount of time and energy, so that's how you build a business is getting those in place, but how much it affects me. Um, in my relationships, in my life, in my stress level, when I need to when I have to integrate, when I have to come up with the processes, or I have to be involved in the details. Um, Ryan Lee just described it to me as multiple personality disorder. That you you're living in this alternate personality, and it causes so much stress in your life. And um, JC and I, as we are working on business projects together now and conferences and doing, we're like two visionaries. And the only time we have conflict, um, and I wouldn't even say conflict, like <laughs> we have this great relationship, but the only time we don't have relational conflict, but if we have to integrate together, um, it's like double whammo. Like we are not happy. We, we are just not happy because we're not happy making those decisions and integrate. So yeah, I said the toughest part is me knowing, figuring out self-awareness. Um, and I just made a big move and for all the projects that I'm doing and hired myself an integrator that isn't necessarily an integrator in just one business. Like I have an integrator in the VA business and integrator in different areas. And she is just my, she's my integrator. She makes sure 
on every level I'm doing, my family, um, the business, the podcast, everything that I'm doing, what I, I said I wanted to do. That's awesome. I feel like I can relate to all of those. I was just listening to, um, to prepare for this podcast. I was listening to your interview with Mel and, uh, we'll get into the first time we all three met in person <laughs> here in a second and where that was, but you know, Mel refers referenced, you know, her sparkly brain. Like mm-hmm. I love that, you know, sparkly brain reference. Cause as a visionary, I think that we all have these sparkly brains and when we're not operating in that, um, mm-hmm. It is not our happy place. Uh, we can only operate as an integrator for a very short amount of time or we get extreme burnout. Uh, yes. Where I see a lot of business owners start to struggle or even the businesses fail is the visionary either can't let go or they can't find the integrator to help them. And they they start to experience extreme burnout and which causes like you said, relationship issues, personal issues, they're unhappy. Um, The other dangerous side I found is when we find great integrators, I have a few of them in my life owning a few businesses, is that um, I love to work in the visionary role. And then I find myself working constantly. I don't know if you feel like that. Because you're constantly in that visionary role because you got the freedom now. But I'm like, I'm working all the time because I'm having such a great time. with coming up with all these great ideas. Yeah. <laughs> and then I go to my office, uh, organize it has a real office. So I own a home service business. Um, but then I own two softwares or two SASs. But when I go to the home service business or if someone in the office is going on vacation, here I am, I'm like, Oh, I'll cover for you while you're on vacation. I'll help out. They're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> we don't need you to come in, please. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> Or they're like, what is she leaving again? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, you know, that's so true that we just, we get extreme burnout if we don't get out of those certain roles that we as visionaries hate. And so if you feel Mm -hmm. like this is you, a really good place to go is Rocket Fuel University has a great um, online test to see, you know, are you a visionary? Are you an integrator? Or do you, you have someone in your life that you think they could be your integrator, um, where they score? Uh, it's a great tool. Uh, once you find that what you are, right, that multiple personalities can start to, you can peel them away. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you, that's when you become really happy with the role you're sitting in. Yes. Yeah. And I know they sound like fancy labels, but I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> No, that's, yeah, you become really happy. Like you find a, a new sense of joy in that. I love that you said though, that like once you get an integrator and let go, when you get to run in visionary, then we are running, then it's a new level of figuring out because then you're working up because you're just like, oh, you are on fire. And that's a dangerous season as well, because now you're just not just, but now you're coming up with more new ideas that you need more integrators for. Right. I find that when I like have an integrator and that's all, oh, well, that's all going just well. Now, what am I going to create? <laughs> yes. Or, you know, I know many of you guys listening do this. We go to conferences or we go to like QDS where me and Angela met at New Orleans. You get all these great ideas. And then we, you know, I learned the hard way. I do not share them um, right away. I wait a little while. I wait. I, I may spend a, t- a day or two after the conference staying there at the hotel to like absorb it, um, write down all the notes mm-hmm. um, and make sure that it's something they want to do before I just go back and just, you know, vomit all over the office or the staff. They're like, here, we're changing everything. Here's a new process. It's great. I just learned it at this conference um, because I learned the hard way that you will run your people off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, speaking of the QDS conference, me and Angela met at QDS um, in New Orleans, and I was sitting next to a Dominic um, or Dom, and um, I looked over and there was this very, very classy lady in black, right, drinking champagne. And I'm like, who is that, Dom? Introduce me to her. 
And um, it was Angela. And then ever since then, um, we have really connected and I feel like we have so much in common and it's been really great getting to know her. And I love, like I said, I was watching a couple of your podcasts prepping for today and it's just been a great really journey getting to, to meet someone who we have so much in common, whether I have adult kids too, but I also have a five-year-old, um, you know, being an entrepreneur our whole lives, you know, going on our second and third relationships and really enjoying the time of our life and where we're at in it. I, mm-hmm. I like, you're one of the only people I've met that you're just riding that ride and you're, you're, you're enjoying it to the fullest. And I'm like, oh my gosh, somebody's just like me right now. So you know, that being said, you know, what do you, can you share some with us, some of the things that you do, like, you know, your power morning routine that keeps you balanced? Like what, why do you feel besides the integrator visionary role that you're just, you know, loving life? What are the, some of the personal habits or professional habits that are contributing to your happiness and your success right now? Yeah, um, I love that. And first, I just want to echo how great it has been to meet you and how, um, you know, things just align and you meet someone at the right time in the right season. And it was amazing. Yeah, once we met, then I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. (laughs) We have so, I mean, so many of the details um, in common, but just a great united energy. And I will say to... um, you know, the audience listening, how important it is that you, you know, show up and arrive at events with an energy ready to make those connections because those can change your life. We were just talking about how we're going to be at one coming up. Um, But, you know, I was just, I was sitting by Dom. We were, you know, grabbing um, a bite to eat at a hotel bar. Um, But to arrive in a space to um, be open to those opportunities to meet people and then them be in your circle, uh, that leads into this question. And I have definitely found out in this season is one of the most important things is, you know, finding people who are not just on that same mindset. We, you know, if we've been talked about forever, like who are the five people you surround yourself with? Um, but more importantly, that really getting a tribe of big thinkers that, you know, encourage you to have those spiral up thoughts, but also you share so much in common that they're a safe place to be vulnerable, that, you know, you have somebody to reach out to if you are going through a struggle or you're not doing the visionary integrator thing well, you are experiencing burnout, that is a place in a community that you can talk things through. So, so thankful that we met. <laughs> um, and, and that, like I said, that would be, I'm going to go through my morning routine and the other things that set me up, but right now I would say that is my number one. Is, is the community and a tribe that we will have ups and downs and roller coasters and who is there to help you win and who is also there as, as someone that you can call. Morning routine is huge for me in setting myself up for success and like you said, really taking care of you, you know, that you can't lead other people or be there for other people unless you're leading your, you know, leadership all starts with leading yourself well. And to me, morning ritual is the place that it begins because it's something that you control before things get reactive. I can control my energy. I can control my mood. I can get myself right so I'm right for other people. My morning starts at 4.30. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, maybe because I still have small kids and I'm like, oh, I know. And I'm not, I say that and people are like, I'm not a morning person. I'm not, I would love to stay up late, but it takes me that long to get, I I get used to it. And, um, it goes off every day at four 30 and it's just the time. Like I, I don't want to miss that time. I'm crabby if I miss that time and dedication to myself. So that's early, but I, these are all the things that I do in the morning and my morning routine, the elements of them follow closely Hal Elrod's Miracle Morning and Tim Ferriss. I was just talking about that book this morning. So those two things, I follow Tim Ferriss and Hal Elrod a lot and I've just kind of made it my own. Um, But I get up and I exercise, uh, move, lift weights, and I 
combine listening to, I do music through part of it because music, you know, lifts us up. But then I also read, reading something is part of their morning and I listen to an audible book. So for a half an hour of the workout um, or an hour, I listen to an audiobook. So digest some things and then move that um, morning pages is part of mine. So some type of journaling. I usually do a brain dump is first thing when I wake up and that's just in my phone of like vomiting everything out so I can think clearly. Some time in silence and meditation. I now call them a ritual instead of routine. It seems like something I have to do. I try and make it like self-care. So I light a candle and uh, just journal a little bit um, and some morning pages, Simon affirmation and then affirmations. Like then I take time in my planner, write down some things I'm grateful for say some affirmations of, you know, claiming the things that I'm working on and just, you know, visualizing myself. Um, and those only take a couple minutes, but doing them every morning puts you in the right mindset and, um, you know, ready for, ready for everyone. That's great. So I'm huge on your morning routines, um, but not, I don't start at 4.30 in the morning. Um, I try, you know, we, we started about six 30 and one of the things that me and Chris, my husband had started to do was we struggled, um, with trying to be consistent with us time. So I can get mm -hmm. me time. I can get me time, but we really struggled with, um, getting us time. We would really fall short on date nights because like you said, the morning is one of the only times where we can control the time and control what's happening because it's before the chaos of kids or businesses or whatever your chaos is, we all have it. Um, and so we started to do date mornings and we incorporate that into our morning ritual. Like ritual. And so what we do is we take a walk um, every morning and it's casual, it's with coffee. And it's kind of, we've worked it into our routine and that is um, our date morning. So we started small and now we do them seven days a week. We do them every day. Um, but it's great. That. It's so great because it's before the kids wake up. It's before the phones ring, before we don't check a f an email, We nothing. We get up and we go. And then we start after that is when we exercise and read and so on. Um, mm -hmm. But that's how we start our, um, our morning. And it's great because... You get to talk and uh, my husband has a slight visionary side to him, but he's more of an integrator. Uh, so, but we get to talk about ideas and things we want to do and maybe trips or business. Um, and it's been great because it's one of the things that we found that can really keep us consistent. Yes. Um, you know, with a five-year-old, so I have a five-year-old, a 15-year-old and a 25-year-old and the 25-year-old is on his own, but you know, with a five-year-old and a 15-year-old, if it's not basketball at night or practice or a game and he's a travel ball player, then the five-year-old's got something going on. And, um, you know, if, if I really recommend, you know, date morning, starting small, working up, you know, if you're struggling with being consistent and wanting some us time, um, yes. it's been, it's been great. Um, Love I love that because I talk about, um, you know, who are we giving our energy to and who are we giving our best energy to? And you are making that decision to give each other the best of your energy, the best of each other. Because so often the people that we care about most in our lives, our partners, our kids, the most important people in our business get our leftover energy at the end of the day. And you're choosing to, you know, make that connection and give each other the best of yourselves. So that's awesome. Yes. And then we've started like when we come back, you know, I do yoga and some other things, but we even got Yaya, the five-year-old. Um, we just turn on the YouTube TV and she's doing her own kids yoga while we're working out. So we're trying oh. to pass these habits on to yeah. the kids as well. You know, that mom and dad isn't always just about work because we, yes. we, we do struggle with that, you know, to be completely transparent. We love to work and um, you know, Yaya said the other day, she, she goes, mom, what hat are you wearing right now? <laughs> oh, it's, it's interesting what your kids catch. So my kids are, yeah, in their twenties. Um, and my daughter, 
says as she's trying to, you know, like figure out what they want to do, right? Because they've seen this entrepreneurial lifestyle and and um, so they don't know how to do the other one. They don't really want to work for someone either. But she constantly says, I don't know if you work all the time or you're never working. <laughs> I just don't know. Because some of it looks like this, you know, this show of like traveling and extravagant and whatever. But sometimes it seems like I'm always working and don't turn it off. And so, it, yeah, it's, it's important well, to pause and see what they're catching. Yeah. And, you know, Austin, he's 15 and he, he says the same thing. He's like, mom, you're always busy. I said, Austin, it's not always work. Like I was buying tickets to Dave Matthews just now. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not always work. Um, <laughs> it, it may look like I'm busy or maybe, you know, I'm playing around with a new idea. Mm -hmm. And so you know, really getting strict with my time too, to make sure that they're not just seeing mom on the computer all the time or on the phone. Because my 25 year old, when he was, he was probably 17 or 18. He goes, I'm going to make a new rule. There's no phones allowed at the dinner table. And he made it because of me. And I was like, wow, I need to do a self check right now. Yeah. And so they see, they see what we're doing. And, you know, I told Chris, my husband, I struggle because I enjoy what I do. So I could work all day some days and, mm -hmm. um, creating that balance. So I want to mm -hmm. change the topic real fast yeah. back to the morning routine and traveling. How do you keep yourself consistent when you one, because this is what I hear from a lot of listeners or entrepreneurs, right? Um, they 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 develop good routines, but then something happens, right? Uh, somebody calls out, or there's a fire burning down in the office—not literally, but you know. Yeah. Um, or I go to a conference, and then I lose that consistency. Mm. So, what are some tips that you have that um, you know you could share with us to keep that consistent? When something happens, we know you travel a lot, right? If you follow Angela, yeah. she travels a lot. Um, what do you do to stay consistent? So I, it is just being so committed to that. That's my, my ritual and knowing um, how much of a difference it makes in my life that I just am just so passionate about it as a ritual. And I think the reason I'm able to stay consistent is because I've changed that mindset to morning ritual that is like, this is my time and I'm important versus morning routine. And this has just been, you know, recently, I would say in the last six to nine months that I've had that shift because routine felt like um, something I had to do, the boxes I had to check. And so if I was traveling, like, oh, even though, you know, it's, it's work, it was like, oh, it's vacation. I can get out of my routine because this is a new routine. And the schedule's off and whatever. So I'm not in that routine anymore because it's a new routine. So I can eat whatever I want. <laughs> well, that only goes so far if you're, uh, it does not work if you're traveling all the time. Uh, when I changed it to ritual, it was like something, like I still want to make this investment in me. Yes, I am on a trip enjoying it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get everything out of this trip because I'm still doing my ritual. Um, it's great that JC has the same sort of ritual that I do. Like he, he already got up at the same, he's already a 4.30 a.m. <laughs> person. So that helps as we're traveling together that, you know, wherever we're at, we, his thing is like getting a 5K in, in whatever new city or state or country um, that we're in, but I, you know, I love checking out the hotel gym. So it's like an adventure. And so I still get up at four 30, wherever I am, whatever time zone it is. And, you know, start with the gym and get all of those things done. I would say I struggle more with like the alarm goes off at four 30 and it's just not a decision anymore. Like it's not a decision if I'm getting up wherever I'm at, whatever I'm doing, I get up and go work out. And then so like the audio, you know, the audiobook, the other things that fit in with that go well. One thing I do not do as well about, so I love that you brought this up because I'm going to get back into holding myself accountable, is those other parts of travel. Like there's something about when I am gone and I don't have the candle to light, 
that like those meditation morning pages that are equally important and are, are very important to me and my growth and, and who I am and, and all the things, those get sloppier with travel. And I think it's because I don't have that ritual element that I have to make a decision or I have to figure it out. So I'd say my tip for travel is, you know, get it in a way that you don't have to figure it out. Because if it's already a system and you don't have to make a decision or figure it out, then you'll do it consistently. Awesome. So I travel a ton. And for me, my tip is Chris holds me accountable. We still do the morning walk, but we do it over the phone. So once I get up and start that, then I know the rest of it follows the routine, the ritual follows after that, the routine. Um, And, you know, as far as travel goes, I have double of everything. So I'm traveling right now when um, I'm I'm filming this podcast, but like I have a double ring light, a phone, two monitors, a mic. Um, That way I can hold consistent to what I do normally. And I don't touch anything at my house. Like I don't have to pack it up and then repack it. JC asked this question online the other day on Facebook. I was like, I have double of everything and it stays in the suitcase. Um, And so that's really helped me with consistency because, you know, I don't do sugar and carbs. So, um, you know, I have Marilyn, my amazing assistant, she checks out, like, is there gluten-free restaurants? Uh, What equipment's in the gym? So that I don't show up and it's like, oh, there's no Peloton. I guess I don't have to work out today. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. Just, and that holds me even more accountable because she did that work to help me make sure that I can, you know, hold myself accountable. Mm. Um, I'm a a huge fan of exercising and staying, um, you know, on point to really help because if we're not running at a hundred percent, you know, we cannot be great leaders. And so I really want to ask Angela some tips. What are some tips and strategies to really break out of this mediocrity? I can't say this word, you know, really being mediocrity. I can't say that word and embracing courage. So you are the courage. Like that's your word. When I think of Angela, I think of courage or when someone says courage, I think of Angela, like, you know, know, what are some tips and, you know, based around Angela's based around your exclusive coaching and leadership experience? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go back to the people, that tribe um, and tribe, including a coach that my biggest tip would be, you know, who is in your life and who is speaking into your life. So starting out with, as you mentioned, a coach of whether it be I coaching people or what areas of my life I have a coach in, um, I have a uh, personal trainer and not like what, not like the most, like most people's personal trainer that they work out with all the time. When I'm in town, um, you know, it might have been a month since I've seen him and it's different than like, we're going to lift these weights and do these things. Like he just identifies and that's what a coach does it um, in all areas, like identifies our weak points, things that we need to work on. So when I first started working with him, it was like, do you, do you know that you're getting older and you're losing flexibility and what this is going to do in these certain areas or that you're holding stress in this? Um, yesterday, he surprised me. And we did a sauna, my first ever cold plunge, and then alternation back to the sauna, five minutes in the cold plunge. It was bad. It was really bad. (laughs) Um, I mean, people had challenged me to do it. I kind of wanted to do it, but it's it's such an example of why it's important to have a coach. Uh, I would not have made it. He was sitting there coaching, like, this is what we're going to do. You're going to push yourself. You can do hard things. And I'm telling you, if you haven't done a cold plunge, it was incredible. This incredible, you know, getting past the pain and clarity. But having somebody push me, him there coaching me through it, like, you can do it. You can do hard things. You can push through the pain. Keep breathing. You can do it. And it's important in all areas of our life. If you want to take yourself to the next level, you you have some self, uh, like, inhibiting boundaries that you're putting on yourself. And to get someone that you're working with to to make you get uncomfortable. And not only the coach them, but like I said, having a tribe, having someone like you in my life and in a small group of people that are like that, that 
uh, are going to reach down, you know, if I, if I haven't heard from Libby in a while or I don't see her out there, that I would be like, hey, what, what are you doing? <laughs> What's going on with you? And people that are spiraling up your ideas, the, you know, the energy, the vibration of the people that you're with that are making you want to dream bigger, think bigger, and not being around people that ask you what if kind of questions that make you doubt yourself. So people in your life, most important. Awesome. I'm a huge fan, a huge fan of coaches. Um, I have my own and, um, that probably is the single most changing activity that I ever did in my life was to start to invest in myself through coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and then from there going to these events uh, and being open to yeah. meeting people and, you know, I, I coach as well, but uh, exclusively in the cleaning industry. So, um, and you know, when I coach people, they're so, um, they're so hard on themselves. We're, we're our biggest critic. Like they're so hard That's on themselves. Yeah. We're going to mess up. Like I mess up a hundred times a day. Like I'm impulsive and I make the stupidest decisions sometimes, but it's okay to mess up in, in, in the micro because in the macro is where you succeed through mm-hmm. failure. And, you know, one of the things that I always want to encourage people is, you know, we can't just keep doing the day to day because, because they're scared to leave the phones and leave the emails, um, and mm. not invest that time to grow themselves. And we cannot be scared to leave the day to day because at the end of the day, we're only going to be good at the day to day. And we didn't start this business Mm. to just be good at the day to day. So we have to let go. And I love the coaching and the tribe. Um, you know, I, I will say I get guilty of like falling out of the tribe because I get distracted <laughs> with my kids or something going on. And then I come back and I'm like, Hey, I'm here now. I've been gone for a couple of weeks. Um, but that's huge. And I would not have been able to grow any of the businesses I have without coaching. And yes, I've done the plunge. So, um, one of my coaches, right. His name's, um, he's not a coach anymore. He retired, uh, Jonathan Matoshnik from service autopilot. I was lucky enough to, he was the owner of service autopilot. I was lucky enough to be in his, he had an exclusive group of 25 people. I was the only house cleaner girl, you know, in the group. Um, and you know, he brought a Wim Hof coach in for us and we all kind of looked at him like, what is, why are we doing this? And it was so great. Mm. The Wim Hof was, you know, breathing, controlling your breath. And he said, because where you're at right now, you have to be able to control your level of stress and anxiety. Mm -hmm. Cause if not, it will consume you. And from there we did the cold plunges and here, here am I, I'm the only girl that was there to do them. And I was like the last one. And I said, Oh my God, I can't chicken out because I'm the, I got to represent all the girls. (laughs) So, um, it was great. And there was a Wim Hof coach there, like coaching us through it. So you could figure, but it's coaching is one of those things to me is what I need because I know I need a couple things. I need someone to hold me accountable because I don't want to let people down. But then I also need that person on my side kind of saying, you can do this. Like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. If you, if, if you fail, we'll just do it again. Yeah. Um, because if not Libby, the critic inside herself will start to beat yourself up if you fail or you try and you don't succeed the first time and then you don't try yeah. again. Absolutely. So love the coaching love the tribe. Um, if you have not tried the plunges, I highly suggest, uh, we went as far as having a freezer in our, um, in our garage (laughs) and I can do a whole nother special. So you, um, we have a freezer, you can like silicone it. We put it on a timer. So it only comes on long enough to freeze it where it's just a sheet of ice on the top. 
timer turns off. Um, it's a really, really uh, efficient and inexpensive way to get a, a polar plunge type um, scenario at home. Oh, I'm okay. I'm going to have to get the details on this. Yeah, now I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to do that. I have to do this all the time. Well, I mean, and it's one of those things that the uber successful, like the Tony Robbins of the world, you see him, like he's got a an ice bath. He does it before he goes on stage. Yeah. How do you, how do you think he's so like, you know, crazy and high on the world? <laughs> he just got out of a polar plunge. It's harder than I, it was all the thing. Like it stops being cold and it starts just being painful. And like you said that you have to, like you have to breathe through it. Um, I'm going to post the video of me doing, but it looks like worse than my, looking at me experiencing it looks like worse than childbirth. <laughs> So it was funny. Um, there were some other women there while we were doing it, but none of them wanted to do it. Mm. Um, and you know, being in that group, there was, it was a couple wives of that, that are partners with their husbands in the lawn care industry, but I was the only girl and I, that, that was in line to do it. And I said, Oh my God, I have to do it. And to do it is a total mental strategy. Mm -hmm. It's 100%. Mm -hmm mental strategy. And it was funny because there's a video and I, ref I have not released it, <laughs> but Ashley, one of my friends, um, you know, her and her husband own a lawn care service. She, she was like, Oh my God, your, your face the whole time was like RBF. Like she's like, you were so focused, but it was a hundred percent mental. Cause you are trying to talk yourself through the two minutes. It was two or three minutes. I can't remember. Um, and I didn't look at a person. I didn't listen to a word because they're all, they're all like chatting and laughing. And we had two, so two people were going at one time. And mm -hmm. um, it was like 100% focus, trying to get through the two or three minutes. Because if you broke concentration, like you were done. Because it went from cold to pain, like you said, to like a mm -hmm. hundred little pricks in your body. Mm-hmm. But when I got out of that thing, <laughs> but when I got out of it, I felt like I was 15 years old. Yeah. It is the most exhilarating, like you're done, you're shivering and, and the effects like throughout the day. So I just did it yesterday. Like the effects of like clarity and just this, uh, all the things that says it does. I mean, there's all these other health benefits, but just the, like you did it, the shock of the body, the getting through the pain and it was wonderful. Yeah. I'm like, it I got to do it again. <laughs> but the other thing is what it taught me was making us do something we don't want to do. Like, mm -hmm. you know, we typically retreat to warmth, like the, the human body. And this is the Wim Hof method, but you know, to, to put your body through that on purpose, creates another level of like mental toughness. Mm -hmm. And I've heard of people that do it every single morning. Um, as if I did that, like I, I can ask anyone, you know, I can ask anyone to do anything, whatever the eat that frog is that you need to do that day, whoever you need to call difficult conversation, you need to have big ask you need to have to move your business forward. If you sat in the cold plunge for a couple minutes, like, you made yourself do that. You can make yourself pick up the phone. And when we went, I went through Hurricane Ian in Fort Myers and we were, we were just, it was devastating. Like even to talk about it, it makes me like all teary eyed and it just devastated our area and is still recovering. But a lot of people ask me like, how did I get through it? Like how they're like, I don't even understand how you got through it, how you stayed open, how you were there to encourage your employees, like how you were out in the, we were out in the field helping customers. Uh, we donated thousands of hours of cleaning and they're like, I don't understand how you did that. And those are the things that I, that I put myself through that when you are faced with that kind of adversity or mm -hmm. like a storm of a lifetime that just levels your area and your business and your customers' homes. Those are the things that that's why we do what we do is to prepare for those moments so that that is to me that separates like me from the businesses that closed. Yes. They couldn't handle it. 
I mean, I did have a lot of Josh wine <laughs> um, <laughs> that helped me, but those are the th- like those things are what separates us in the moments that count. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I you couldn't have said it more perfectly. That's what separates us in the moments that count. So, I want to jump into a new topic that is um, it scares me. <laughs> But um, Angela, I want to talk about your book. The reason it scares me is because I was like, "Why does it scare you?" Because it's on my um, vivid vision. So I wrote a vivid vision for each company. And if you don't know what a vivid vision is, it's it's a three year goal, um, but in extreme detail. So my vivid vision for each company is about nineteen pages long. Oh, wow. Yes. Um, it, it provides so much clarity to your life. It's a, it was a soul searching journey. Um, it was a great journey. Um, you know, Woot Recruit, we made one and ultimately that vivid vision, uh, there were two owners, two founders of Woot Recruit and ultimately that vivid vision is probably what broke us up. Now there's one owner myself because the visions didn't align and there's so much work and detail that goes into it it really provides clarity of why do I wake up every morning and do this? But in my vivid vision, I have that I will write a book. Yes, you will. So that's why it scares me. Um, So I want to talk about your book, The Courageous Mind, right? Um, I really want to talk about the book in detail. Like what, one, what sparked you to write a book? And, you know, can you share some insights um, of your book that the readers can expect to find and really what's, what inspired you to be a writer? Yeah. So it, writing a book was really a lifelong dream. I would, we lived next to my grandparents on the farm growing up and my grandma had the greatest collection of old books that had that like old book smell. And I would tape over the author's name and write my own name and just carry those books around with pride. So it was just, you know, a dream on my heart as a little girl that I wanted to do that. And then I would pretend I would stand at this podium and speak about it. And oh, so, that is so cute. I would. I, there was this tree stump and I would just stand with my book and speak about my book. And, and that, I mean, I was a little five-year-old and then about 15 years ago, um, you know, about to go through my first divorce, I read a book called Five Wishes. Highly recommend it. It's a little tiny, Gay Hendricks. And it puts you through the scenario of imagining yourself on your deathbed, whether it be next week or when you're 100, and five things that you wished would have happened for your life to be a complete success. And it it's a great book because it has you write them through the frame of like, you know, what you want to do in in a really big way of things that, you know, as you looked back of a legacy that you would feel like you lived out what you wanted to do. And so I wrote down and one of those things was write a book and speak about it. And then about three years ago, after divorce number two, um, and I was in this place of stuck It was before I had made the transition into the new company. And I was like, how did I get here? Um, When I build businesses and lead teams really well, up to that point, I did not, the thing that I did not do well was pick life partners and would literally just like give everything away, like walk away because of the situations. I would walk away and be starting over with nothing. Um, And that was my choice because you can, you know, choose to live and, and live with my kids and live in that life or leave the abuse and negative energy. But I was like, how did I get here? Right. One of those points, how have I kind of failed on such an, an epic thing? And then was, you know, kind of like cleaning things off and that book fell off my shelf and the handwritten note fell out of it. And I had to read that in 15 years, I had not moved my life forward. And one, you know, a wish that I wanted for my life to be a success, write a book and speak about it. Hadn't moved it forward at all. A um, couple hours later, I went to a networking event and I met someone who had just written a book. 
they were just, there was about to do their book launch. And I'm like, no way. How did you do that? He had gone through a program at uh, Georgetown University with a professor at Georgetown. I got hooked up with that the very next day and started my year long journey to write a book and didn't know what it was going to be on at first. I knew it would be my story, but the book is called The Courageous Mind. And it is because I felt like in my seasons of doing it well and season and, you know, watching other entrepreneurs, that one thing that laced the most highly successful and happiest people together is their ability to use courage and how well they took risks more often. So it's, yeah, it's my story interlaced with this interviews and stories of other entrepreneurs and lots of research on courage and mindset and facing fears and how, how we do that best, how we set ourselves up through things like your morning routine and the people you surround yourself with to make more courageous decisions. Awesome. Um, and where can, um, I'm sure that they could find it on Amazon and we can also put the link in the in the chat, um, or not in the chat, but we'll put the link in the uh, show details uh, where you can find Angela so that you can uh, find her book. And that's awesome. I mean, I want to write a book. And as I was listening to your story, uh, I feel like we connect in so many ways because when I left my ex, I walked away with nothing. And I was 30 years old. I was either 29 or 30. I can't remember now. Sitting on a curb um, locked out of my home and thinking to myself, I'm 30 years old and I have gotten nowhere. And like I, and, and the feeling of having to start all over and I chose to walk away. I chose to walk away with nothing. I didn't want anything. Um, and to say, if I, I could do it again. Um, it, I'm not going to lie. It was a little part of a depressing time of my life because at 30, you think that you're going to have everything together. And, you know, I was just so busy working that I wasn't paying attention to what was going on in my life. And um, that's one of the things that got me into trouble. I wasn't paying attention. And, you know, at 30, you think that you work so hard and then to have to start all over. And, um, you know, it was most, one of the worst and best feelings I ever had in my life. I remember just sitting on that curb thinking to myself, like, this is horrible. Um, but then at the same time, I don't want any of it. I can do it again. Yeah. And that moment I made that affirmation to myself that I only wanted a few things in life. One was, this is going to sound so funny and simple. One was to be happy. I didn't care that I didn't care if I was poor. I didn't care if I was rich. And by the way, I was locked out of a house in Tampa on the ocean with a Ferrari sitting in the driveway. Um, so I'd been rich and I had been poor before cause I, I grew up very poor or just, you know, not poor, but we were we didn't have any money, any extra money. And then with my ex, we had made a lot of money fast. And as I was sitting on that curve, I was like, I don't care if I'm rich or if I'm poor, all I want is to be happy and the people around me to be happy. And the second thing I wanted was to never be lied to again. Mm. That's it. So, you know, that caused a lot of things in my life. One is um, I'm very honest to a fault mm -hmm. um, because I was lied to for many, many years. And if you lied to me, <laughs> you're also dead to me. <laughs> Just... Um, and, um, that's all I wanted was those two things and my boys, which, you know, um, Billy and Austin, but I just wanted to be happy and never be lied to again. Mm. And, um, I could really, boy, could I write a book on just my story. And, um, but I feel like we connect and you, you share things and I'm like, Oh, I've been there. <laughs> And to people, I mean, it was, I identify with that in both times. And I was like in my thirties and then in my forties and like, my goodness. Um, but it took a lot to realize I thought I was giving everything. And I always told the story from the frame of, I was giving everything up and that, you know, if, 
if you feel like you've experienced something like that or on this journey that you're never starting from zero because you're starting from experience. And that's way more valuable than, you know, the money and assets and things that we thought were so significant that we had built giving them up, that it really is all to prepare you to build something, letting go of that energy, choosing to walk away and not being in that energy, open the door for us to use all the, you know, experience and knowledge and wisdom that we gained to build something even bigger. And I love that. And that's why I walked away was I didn't want to waste my energy on fighting. Mm -hmm. None of that stuff was worth, was worth me. Um, fighting or staying in that negative moment when I could just take all of this energy and go apply it somewhere else and start over and do it. Um, and I took my experience and everything I learned and that's how the new businesses I have grew even quickly or even mm-hmm. faster. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and I tell my husband all the time, cause I am remarried. I said, I'm too old to do this all over again. <laughs> I do not want to do this in my forties just cause this, so this has to work. <laughs> and so I can't imagine trying to do it again in my forties. Cause um, you know, it's exhausting to think about starting over, but I know I have the experience that if I had to do it again, um, it could be easily done. Right. Yeah. Um, Colonel Sanders started Kentucky fried chicken when he was 82 years old. That's why when everyone's like, oh, I'm too old. I'm too old to start a business or I'm too old to start over. I was, and I always um, tell them that and they're like, really? Like, yeah, he was, he was 82 years old. Yeah. Um, I read that in a book. That's the only reason I know it. <laughs> um, so let's, I want to talk about one other thing before we wrap up. And that is uh, you have a new podcast with JC. I, yes, we do. And um you know, I want to know what sparked that because I was on Angela's um, other podcast, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, you started a new one and it looks very intriguing to me because there's two of you. You're both in business, right? You're, you're both a couple. And mm-hmm. so I really was wondering, like, I wanted to know what sparked that interest to, to start another podcast together? And are you going to continue your other one or is your focus going to be over here on the new one? And what's the name I of the new one? So many questions. The new one is called In the Foxhole. And it is the name of that because um, we talk about the moments of the struggles of entrepreneurship, you know, not just the highlight reels, but the moments of the struggle and who was in the struggle with you, who was in the foxhole with you, who are the people that you trust to be in the foxhole with you and what do those moments look like? So, um, and those are all great questions. And I don't know if I have the answer to, you know, what the future is in mine. Um, so my podcast started from, and in my path to this home service industry, I kind of talked about showing up, you know, showing up at events, being open to relationships. I had written the book, been an entrepreneur, helping other entrepreneurs, but not in this service space. And then last October, um, I was working with someone in the lawn and landscape space and we held a mastermind in, in Omaha, Nebraska together. And Dan Plata came and met him and he's like, oh, I love your energy. You want to be on my show on Turf Step Radio? So I became a regular on his show. Turf Step Radio offered me my own show. I wasn't ever going to start a podcast, but they're like, it'll be a podcast too. And I thought, why in the heck would I be on a, why would I have a show on Turf Step Radio? I have no idea what this is about. But I just kept walking through open doors, started speaking at, um, you know, different events. I spoke at Clippa. JC was speaking at Clippa. That's how we met. Um, and then, you know, I met you speak because I was speaking at QDS, like it just opened all of these doors that all came from deciding to say yes to a radio show on Turf Step Radio. And so that's kind of where that was. I love doing podcasts and interviewing people and listening to people's stories. And then when, um, JC and I were talking about things that we wanted to do together, again, childhood dream, I had really always wanted to, the podcast was not a dream. It just happened. I was like, I'll keep walking through doors. And I loved listening to people's stories. 
I loved the Today Show growing up. So again, my five-year-old self would sit and watch the Today Show, Jane Polly, Bryant Gumbel, and you know, and then it was Katie Couric. And, and I loved the dynamic of two people, a man and a woman, interviewing someone. I just loved that dynamic. And I wanted to be that as a child. So I asked JC, I was like, do you want to do a podcast together? I know it doesn't make sense for me to do another one, but this is what I want to do. And we, you know, came up with the idea of in the foxhole together. And I was like, I know this is a whole new thing we're doing. And, you know, visionaries, right? We just have new ideas and go with them. It's crazy to start a relationship that fast and then to start all kinds of business things together too. But I've absolutely loved it. We are just, we've just launched our first two episodes but I, I love the dynamic of, um, you know, doing this sort of scenario, learning people's stories, but two people doing it at a time on a different twist or a different reflection. Um, so I don't know what the future holds for for them and, and what that means um, and, and mine and things too. But, you know, right now I, I love learning people's stories and sharing them with other people. Awesome. I, I, um, I love it. I think it's great. Um, I'm like, Oh, I want to do a podcast with my husband. <laughs> um, just because of the perspective and talking back and forth, yeah. I think it was a great idea. And I love seeing you guys together and you guys are so cute, <laughs> and, but your growth and like where that's going. And, yeah. um, me and Angela and JC are doing some other things in the future. You'll probably see them. Yes. Um, yeah. So um, that being said, I really want to leave our listeners with, um, you know, a little bit of advice from you. And it has to do with living courageously. What are some tips that we can use just to wrap up on really overcoming fear? I think for business owners, um, one of the things that get us stuck is that fear, like the unknown, the fear to make this decision, the fear to, so I specialize in recruiting, right? It's the fear to hire the wrong person or the fear to be overstaffed and then you're understaffed. And fear to me um, really controls us uh, yeah. more than we expect. I went to um, a conference and one of the speakers said, the opposite, the opposite of fear is trust. So there is a lack of trust somewhere, right? We don't trust ourselves. We don't trust the process, the person. Mm -hmm. It's lack of trust. And so I really want to leave our listeners with some great, just, it could be one, it could be two great tips on living courageously on and really overcoming that fear. How do they live courageously? Yeah. So I'll um, break it down into what I think are two parts of it. Um, one is facing fear intentionally, getting uncomfortable intentionally. We talked about that with the cold plunge, but you know, like fears that you know you have, things that make you uncomfortable, doing them intentionally. They can be in any area of life, like the cold plunge, and they will translate into helping you do it in business because you recognize what that fear feels like in your body and you're now able to overcome it. And that is, I, there's a chapter in the book of courage as a muscle that you, you strengthen that courage muscle every single time you conquer a fear. So after writing the book, I, I have a huge fear of cliffs. I hiked the Grand Canyon, huge fear of snakes. I had a snake wrapped around my neck. I just did things that made me really uncomfortable that sounded like, you know, funny fears that everyone in the world would accept, right? Everyone accepts that it's okay to be afraid of snakes. And so I just did those, did those things. So that's one is think of courage as a muscle and how can you do something that scares yourself, you know, all the time. The second is the awareness of, and you kind of alluded to that, of what are you scared of? And I have a, a planner that I didn't talk about that in rich, ritual, but I really just, I designed a planner and really work from it. And one of the things is a weekly reflection on Sunday night. And it's where do I need to get uncomfortable? Like, what am I, what am I tolerating? Where do I need to get uncomfortable? What am I afraid of right now? And it's taking the time to pause and be aware. So many times we like justify our fears, shove them under the, you know, not going to look at them, just shove them under. 
justify society is great about being cheerleaders of like it's okay to be scared of that you know um so that's the the first step is awareness we say that in everything in life but that's the first step in, in getting courageous and facing your fears is figure out what it is you're scared of and what's on the other side of it awesome one thing that you just said during then is that society says they're okay they're be they're okay with being cheerleaders if you're you know scared or fearful of something mm -hmm. but the one thing i want to leave you guys with is the majority of society is not made of entrepreneurs mm -hmm. right entrepreneurs are the smallest percentage i think there's like what is it like one percent of yeah um and so don't get mixed up with society says it's okay like to not you know to not take these risks or uh to be our cheerleader when we're fearful but society is not an entrepreneur and you are. That's right. Yes. So, um, Angela, I want to really thank you so much for being our guest um, here on the Art of Transformational Leadership. So what's next? What can our um, listeners expect to see? What do you have planned? Any fun, exciting new podcast <laughs> or business ventures coming up that we should keep an eye out for? Um, yeah, stay tuned on social media. Um, in the foxhole, we've got lots of exciting things coming up on that. Like you said, we have some things in the works with you. Um, and uh, just, you know, continuing to, you know, expand the, the virtual assistant business. I love when we can really help people make magic in their lives by delegating that integration role and, and tasks role and, and how they all, you know, how they all blend together, how that um, helping people and then collaborating with people like you and, and relationships, how those can all combine for, you know, everyone to do better. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm excited, um, especially on the project that we're working on. I'm excited to see what you're going to do. And um, I'm just really blessed to have met you at QDS and um, had the courage to ask Dom, like, hey, introduce me to that that classy looking lady over there in the black drinking champagne. I'm like, oh, she's so cool. She's drinking champagne. I'm not gonna lie. I was drinking too, but it was kind of early in the day. It's okay. We were, <laughs> we were on vacation traveling. I'm like, Shh. but New okay. New it was New Orleans. <laughs> so, okay. I want to thank all of our listeners. Um, if you enjoy this episode, you can find more episodes and also a free uh, mini masterclass on leadership. If you're struggling in this area that we call leadership, um, just visit libbyd.com and I have um, a free training. It is the five pillars of culture um, for our viewers that you could grab at any time. It's going to really just help on the topics of leadership and struggling with those areas um, within your company if you're struggling. So if you enjoyed today's show, please tell a friend and share on social media. Uh, thank you for joining us on this journey towards becoming a transformational leader. Keep inspiring positive change in the world.